That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Creeps, cults, ghosts, guys named Jerry. This is your one-stop shop. If you like all that weird shit, join me. I'm Casey Balsham. I'm a comedian and I am fascinated by dark, twisty, and shady-ass shit. On the Shady Shit Podcast, we're going to cover all the topics ranging from living in a haunted house to dating app scammers to Lizzie Borden and everything in between. Every Friday, I'm going to break down well-known and little-known stories that are sure to induce just a bit of discomfort. I am so looking forward to making your weeks just a little bit weirder. Hi there, I'm Maura McGoodwin. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Resumes are one of those necessary evils in your career. You probably don't love making one, but you also know that you need to have one in order to apply for that next job. Oh, and there are so many opinions out there on what you should and shouldn't put on a resume that it's easy to get overwhelmed with the whole process. Today, we're hoping to clear up some of this confusion by going straight to the source. We're talking to Megan Kay. She is a recruiter at Brooklinen and a woman who spends a lot of time looking at resumes and chatting with hiring managers about what they want to see in a candidate. On today's episode, we'll be discussing two things. One, do resumes still matter? And if so, what's the best format to put them in? And two, five common resume mistakes that are leading to recruiter confusion that you'll want to stop doing ASAP. And now, this is The Females. Hi, Megan. Welcome to The Females. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So tell us about your role as a recruiter. How did you get started? How much of your days actually really spent looking at resumes? Give us all the details. Lauren, that is such a good question. I always knew that I wanted to work with people. My educational background is actually in public health. And after graduating, I realized that I wanted to work in an industry that's a bit more creative. And I was really drawn to working in the startup space. HR seemed like the perfect way to work in a people-facing role, which I find incredibly rewarding, and to build a skill set that is transferable across any industry. Most of my day is spent between interviewing, reviewing so many resumes, and proactively reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Depending on the number of roles that we have open at a time, I could spend hours out of my day looking through resumes. So when you're looking through resumes, and I'm sure you knew this, but I was a recruiter before, and I remember 
looking at them in the applicant tracking systems. So are you mostly looking at them via they get, you know, they come to your inbox directly or they're in the applicant tracking system that maybe, you know, your company uses for people when, and and just for a little context for people listening, when you apply online um, and the company has some sort of online system, that's usually called an applicant tracking system. So are you, are you looking at them in an inbox or sort of more through the systems? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So it's a mixture for us. We review every single application that's submitted to us through our applicant tracking system. Even if we don't end up chatting with someone for the role that they applied for, we keep every single application on file so we can reach out for future roles that are aligned. We also love when someone reaches out to us via email or LinkedIn with a nice note, and we do our best to respond to every single person. If you want to make sure that you get your resume reviewed by a real person, always write a follow-up note after you apply. I love this. I'm sure people listening to this too are feeling much better. And now to be fair, Brooklyn is not the you guys are an anomaly, basically, I think in, when it comes to companies reviewing every single resumes and getting back to everyone. And I know this is definitely a pet peeve is that people apply and they're like, where does it go? It's like this black hole on the internet and no one ever gets back to me. Obviously, if they apply at Brooklyn and like that's different, but I, I understand people's frustration. I also think that, you know, every company is different, but your point about if you really want the job, apply online and then find the recruiter or the person and send a follow-up note, like all with your resume attached. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to hurt. You're not going to annoy people if you hear from them or you don't hear from them. I mean, I always look at it like I would rather go the step further to make sure my resume got to their inbox as well as online than wait and, and hope, right? That is such a great point. Even if you don't know who the exact recruiter is for the role, track down anyone on their people team or who you think is the hiring manager and send them a note. And I can almost promise you, and certainly at our company, that person is going to forward your note to the person who's actually recruiting for the role. Yeah. That's how I got my job at Hulu. I applied online and then I found someone not on the people team. So I should have taken your advice and sent my resume to them. And they forwarded off to a recruiter though. And then the recruiter got back to me. So you just never know. And I think, um, especially right now with it being so competitive, it's like, go, go the extra mile. It's never going to hurt. And also with LinkedIn, it's not that hard to find people's information, right? (laughs) I love that story, Lauren. And that is very similar to how I landed my role at Brooklinen. Back in the days before we actually had a careers page, I sent a cold email to Hello at Brooklyn Inn and was like, hi, hire me. And I ended up joining. Wow. I See, that is amazing too. Like, I think sometimes what gets people hung up is they feel like there's like these very specific rules and you can't break the rules when applying for jobs, especially mm-hmm. now that we're all applying for jobs online. And I think you and I are proving like, yes, we're giving you quote unquote rules or sort of guidelines on how to apply, but that doesn't mean you can't be uber creative about getting in touch with someone, pitching them on why you should be at their company. And startups are obviously a really specific example of like places where you can create jobs or pitch them on things. But even if you're applying to like a big like American Express, some huge company with thousands of roles, find someone to send your resume directly to. I I just, I think that that is hopefully a a major takeaway for people listening. 
Yeah, I could not agree with you more, Lauren. Such such a great point. So in your experience, when reviewing the resumes and chatting with hiring managers, are resumes always required? And what stands out the most to hiring managers? What have you heard them say? Oh, I love to see that. Or, you know, and I'm thinking also like even for formatting, like two columns, you know, using a portfolio site, linking out to examples. What What's, what's like the most popular stuff? Yeah, this is such a great question. So typically I share LinkedIn profiles of hiring managers. If I come across someone who seems great for a role, once someone actually enters into our hiring process, I'll always ask for their resume. What stands out the most to hiring managers is when your resume clearly shows that your experience is relevant for the role that you're applying for. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who has the nicest resume. It's more about highlighting who you are and what you've done. In terms of formatting, someone typically has about one minute to actually review your resume. If you're so lucky, most, that's, that seems like a, like 60 seconds. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the most important thing is that it's well formatted and easy to read. I happen to love reverse chronological order because it really walks someone through your professional journey and leads them to your most recent experience, which is the most relevant for the role that you're applying for. If you write a summary, uh, make sure that you customize it to the role that you're applying for and try to avoid vague statements or filler words. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the columns, I love a good one column because it's just much easier to read. And if you're going to do a creative style, make sure that you don't overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. One thing I do like that I feel like people started adding with resumes. So typically you guys you guys probably know the, uh, who are listening. It's like, you put your experience, you'll put your contact information, education. Those were like very common areas to have on the resume. I'm really liking the skills and like software section also, because sometimes you'll put that in your bullet points, but it is nice to, especially if you're applying for a job where like, we need you to use Instagram, just using that as an example make sure the word Instagram is on your resume, right? Even, even if it's implied. This is one of the most strategic tips. And I was actually so excited to share this because this is a great way to show the hiring manager, or the recruiter that you're qualified for the role. So if you're reading through the job description and you come across a specific program, um, you brought up Instagram, which is a great one make sure to highlight on your resume that you actually bring that experience and you're much more likely to get a call back. Yeah. I always tell people there's so much information in those job descriptions, which as you know, um, and most people might not know this, but like recruiters or the hiring manager, we spend a lot of time writing job descriptions. How, I guess, give us a little background. Like when you guys are looking for a new role, how much time do you maybe spend on thinking about the job description, writing it out and, and thinking about what you want to attract for that? This is a great question. So when we are opening a role, our team gets together, we have a kickoff meeting and really think through the skill set that we're looking for someone to bring to the role as well as their experience. 
After we have aligned on exactly who we're looking for for this role, the people team goes ahead and creates a job description. And we try to, first of all, make it very welcoming and fun because we really want to give everyone a good idea of what our company culture is like and get them excited to apply. And to, of course, explain exactly what they're going to be doing in the role and detail the skills that we're looking for someone to bring. And we also like to be very mindful that we're not including any skills that this person doesn't need to bring because we want to make sure that we're opening that candidate pool up to people who might not otherwise apply if they see they don't have a specific experience or a specific skill set that is not actually going to make them qualified for the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I, I think thanks for that background, just because I do think people should really make sure that when you are tailoring your resume and I know we're about to get into your common resume mistakes, but when you are tailoring your resume, people, I think often get a little confused on like, well, how do I know what to tailor it for? It's like the job description is basically your, your key. You know, it's like, if they're spending this much time thinking about who's the right fit and what experience and skills, they're telling you exactly what they want you to highlight. And I think the struggle people have is like, especially if you've had many years of experience is they don't want to cut themselves short either. But to your point, they're, they're taking maybe 60 seconds to look at this. And I like that you had mentioned that you always share LinkedIn profiles with hiring managers, because remember your resume can be the snapshot of your super specific experience and your LinkedIn can tell kind of your whole story. I I remember too hiring managers preferring LinkedIn a lot because and and this is again like a hint for people who are listening is like LinkedIn has one formatting. So like your eyeball is more easily able to read like 10 LinkedIn profiles quickly because you know exactly where things are, where resumes are always unique and like where Megan puts her experience and where I put my experience and how we do the formatting. It's just like visually maybe takes your eyeballs a little bit more time. So that's great that you're saying like, hey, they're looking at both. They're going to take LinkedIn profiles and resumes. So remember, these are meant to be complementary, not necessarily duplicates of each other. Like, are there going to be some parts that are duplicates, of course, but they're not meant to be carbon copies of each other. So that's really helpful advice. So now we'll move into everyone's favorite topic, which is talking about common resume mistakes, because these are the things that we want to avoid because they can lead to reader confusion. So up next, Megan's going to share five of these common resume mistakes. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Zenfuel, and how they've been helping me out big time. Zen Fuel is a holistic wellness brand on a mission to make healthy living simple. Zen Fuel's products are made from ethically sourced all natural ingredients. Their ingredients contain zero additives. Zen Fuel's founder actually traveled the world to source the most potent ingredients to ensure that each and every supplement is packed with ingredients that actually do what they say they're going to do. Whether you're nervous about an upcoming interview, a big project, or the unsure future in general, missing a good night of sleep is simply unacceptable. When I could not turn my brain off when bedtime rolled around, I found ZenFuel's 100% natural sleep supplement, ZenSono. ZenSono not only helps me to relax and fall asleep, but it's actually optimizing my sleep cycle to improve the quality of my sleep. Typically, I take Zen Sono an hour before bed. Then I like to curl up with either a good book or a relaxing podcast before dozing off. And the best part, there are no chemicals in this sleep supplement. So I wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. 
There's no grogginess or dragging or any of that kind of stuff. Zen Fuel is also well known for their quote unquote chill pill, which is called the Zen Chill. Gotta love that branding. The stress relief supplement is high on my list to start next to make sure I'm keeping myself ahead of any of my stressors. Right now, Zen Fuel is giving you 25% off your purchase when you use the code FEMALES at checkout. So just go to Zen Fuel, that's Z E N F U E L dot com, and use the code FEMALES for 25% off today. One more time, that's Zenfuel, Z-E-N-F-U-E-L.com and use the code FEMALES for 25% off your first purchase. All right, now let's get back to the show. Okay, Megan, number one on your list is <laughs> grammatical errors or typos. So even with all the tools that are out there today, you, I assume you still see a lot of this. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't have said this is your number one resume mistake, right? Yes, um, Lauren, I... Just have to say that one rule of thumb is to read through your resume line by line before you hit submit. You can also send it to a friend or a loved one for them to review. Sometimes another set of eyes can catch something that you didn't notice. Yeah. And I think too how sometimes I will be writing an email and I double check it, triple check it, and then I hit send and there's still a typo in there. It happens to the best of us. So my number one rule is to please spell check before you send your resume. There are some great platforms out there, such as Grammarly. Even just doing a simple spell check in a Word document is really helpful. Yeah. I remember there was this meme that went around on Instagram and it was like, I do my best spell check after I hit send. (laughs) And it's like, yes, everyone feel that way. I also remember in college once I was interviewing for a job and I had spelled the word experience wrong on my resume and she sat there and she circled it over and over. I mean, I was mortified, but I had done the spell check. You guys, I had done the Grammarly thing. So the point is like, sometimes it doesn't catch everything. Right. And so walk away, bring that fresh pair of eyes. I also remember sitting next to a recruiter who had printed out a bunch of resumes or had a bunch of resumes on her desk and like so vividly in my mind, she, she was like, this word is spelled wrong, taking it and throwing it in the trash. And I think that's a really good lesson for people because they might think, oh, what's one little typo. But remember us recruiters are bringing your resume to the hiring manager and your typo makes me look bad too, you know? And so I, I agree. I think it's something I see a lot still on resumes is typos and grammatical errors. And I know that we all, you know, we all are very used to like quick one-liners and Instagram and this and that, but this is just not the place to be informal and like potentially like let those typos slide. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. And those silly grammar mistakes can really distract from the great experience that you bring to a role. And it's so easily avoidable. Yeah. Okay. So number two is people put too much information on their resume. So are you referring to making their resume multiple pages long or is it just like, even if it's one page, it's like, wow, this is like 45 bullet points. We don't need that. Yeah. So resumes are screened very, very quickly. We spoke about earlier, typically a minute, if not less. And the recruiter has one minute or so to decide if your experience is a match for the role you're applying for. It doesn't really matter if it's one page or more. It's not a hard and fast rule. I think for 
people who bring more than 10 years of experience, you might have one or two pages, Mm -hmm. but if you bring less than 10 years of experience, you can typically fit all of your experience onto one page. I think too, it shows your ability to like, if you've had 10 years of experience and you're like, there's no way I can get this down to one page. It's like, yeah, but you, you have to be able to show that you understand what are the most important things to this company? How can you be concise? How can you like focus in on those things? And while you want to say everything and show everything, again, LinkedIn profiles, I always feel like are like the perfect compliment to the person who's like, but I don't want to lose the fact that I did all this cool stuff or I've done so many cool things. I don't want them to, you know, not see that. Like, do you, do you find that that's the struggle for people who have longer resumes? Is they're just like, they're desperate to make sure you know, like how much they've done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're writing your resume, you want to show all the incredible experience that you bring. So I find it so understandable to put all of that onto your resume and show that to a hiring team. When you are creating your resume, you can cut it down to one page by really focusing on the experience and skill set that you bring that's relevant to the specific role that you're applying for. So trying to cut down those bullet points, just say, hey, this is the experience I bring. It aligns perfectly with the job description. I am your person. Mm -hmm. And I think a few other tips that can really help you stay within one page is removing internships from your resume. Um, I typically see people adding their internships. You really don't need them if you've been working for over five years. But if you'd like to still include them, you can cut down by simply sharing the company and the title instead of adding bullet points. Um, And again, just really focusing on the responsibilities and accomplishments in your previous roles that are most relevant to the role that you're looking to get. Yeah, I remember the formula I like to use for bullet points is, what you did, how you did it and the result like equals the result. So it's like one plus one equals two. And that, that should be your bullet point. Cause I, I know for me, one of my pet peeves is when you come across a resume and it has 25 bullet points for one job. I don't like that. I don't like your bullet point to be four cent, like one bullet point, four sentences long. And the other thing I really like if people are struggling with that is if you need to create subheaders for your bullet points. So for example, let's take, if you're applying to be a recruiter, you could make your subheaders be like sourcing, interviewing, I don't know, working with higher managers. You can make those as like subsections and then take the bullet points and make those bullet points just related to interviewing, sourcing. And at, at a minimum, even though you have a lot of bullet points for that job, at least it's organized in a way where if I to your point, Megan, like I'm not spending a lot of time looking at it and maybe sourcing it happens to be the most important skill set I'm looking for. I can, I can read just those bullet points. Have you seen resumes that have that too? Yeah, Lauren, that's such a great point. I've certainly seen that and it makes the information so much more digestible to the person who's reviewing your resume versus being overwhelmed by the amount of bullet points yeah. and text that are on the resume. Yeah. Okay. So your third mistake that you see often is not tailoring your resume for the specific job. So what does this mean? And, and I guess, what do you often get instead? Yeah. So this really builds off of what we were talking about. Just taking the extra step to read through the job description and tailor the bullet points on your resume to, again, show that you bring the experience and industry knowledge that would make you great in the role that you're looking to step into. 
you can always look through the job posting to see exactly what skills are required and highlight, again, any courses or certifications that you've taken to show that you're not only qualified, but you're growth oriented as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and maybe this is just because I work at Career Contest, I feel like this is a tip that's been said a lot, right? Like this is something I remember when I was in college, they were talking, you know, tailor your job for or tailor your resume for the job. But the fact that this is showing up on your list just proves that while this might feel like common advice that people have heard a lot, a lot of people aren't doing it, sounds like, right? Yeah, absolutely. And something that I really love in terms of highlighting your specific skill set and experience is if you are a candidate who might be coming from a different industry and you're looking to transfer into a new role, such as, you know, I'm a recruiter and I'm looking to move on to the design team. If you show that you're taking certifications to build your skill set and develop that experience, you're much more likely to get a callback from the recruiter. Yeah. So this is even like more vital if you're trying to make a career transition. You have to connect the dots between what you're doing right now and your experience to what you want to do. It sounds like you're not anti-career transition stuff either. Like some, I I know a lot of people feel like there's no way I can get that job if I don't have any experience doing it. But I think to your point, you're like, well, it's about the spin and the story, right? It is always about the spin and the story. You know, we are human and our careers are not always linear. For a bit of background, I actually joined Brooklyn Inn and the customer experience team and transitioned to the people team when I fell in love with the HR space. So I am definitely someone who is all for making a move and following what you want to do in terms of your career. But it's about being very intentional with explaining why you're looking to move on your resume. Mm -hmm. So you can take the opportunity. Some people like to include a summary statement at the top of their resume, which I don't personally love. I don't either. But if you, yeah, it's, you know, most people use a lot of filler words and it doesn't really tell you anything significant, but it's a great way if you're looking to make a career move to explain exactly why you're making that move to show that you're being very intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think the summary to your point, it's valuable if you need to really tell the story. And, but if you're going to just give us a bunch of filler words about, I I can't even think of the filler words right now, but if you're just going to do that, then please don't bother it because you're just taking up precious real estate that would be better used for your bullet points. But if you are making a career transition, ideally too, you should find a way to do something beforehand so you can tell the story. So it can't just be like, I woke up yesterday and decided I wanted to work as a product manager, or I feel like a job that I've heard a lot of people going after right now is a chief of staff. And it's like, I know, but that becomes one of those jobs where everyone thinks they can do it. And so if everyone thinks that and you're applying for that job, you know, it would be really amazing if you were like had 10 informational interviews with chiefs of staffs and you put that in your summary and you understood here are the top three things that are the most important for these roles or whatever. You know, like my point being is sometimes people will just decide I want to go for that job title and I'm using chief of staff because that's something I've heard recently, which is great, but every company is a little different how they do that. And you can't, you know, you can't really bullshit your way through with a summary statement, I guess. They're going to see it. I will also, for everyone listening, we have this great resource on Career Contessa. It's called How to Actually Read a Job Posting. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes, which shows you how to take a job posting and pull out the most important parts and tailor your, especially your bullet points to it. 
let's take a quick break to talk about something I'm pretty excited about. As we near 365 consecutive days in quarantine, if you're like me, you probably haven't been paying too much attention to your hair. Recently, I thought one way I could get back to feeling quote unquote normal could be treating my hair to a nice at home blow dry. That's why I decided to check out the Panasonic NA67 Nano Hair Dryer. Let me tell you, it's as if I were blow drying my hair for the first time. With its oscillating quick dry nozzle, the Nano heats my hair gently without frying it. So you don't have to worry about that with its innovative back and forth moving nozzle. If your hair is suffering from some pre-spring dryness, the Nano has got you covered. The Panasonic NA67 Nano uses its nanotechnology to draw moisture from the hair. This creates this really super fine, moisture-rich, and nanoparticles are basically penetrating into every shaft of your hair. So your hair is going to feel smooth and hydrated and healthy. I like cannot stop touching my hair after I blow dry it with this. NA67. The Nano comes with attachments for every type of hair, a concentrator nozzle for precise style, the oscillating nozzle for gentle, even styling, or even a full-size diffuser for styling wavy or curly hair, which I've done that one as well. The Nano is the perfect styling tool for everyone in your house, if you feel like sharing, of course. If you want healthy, smooth hair for your next video chat, shop now on Amazon for the Panasonic NA67 Nano Hair Dryer. The link is in the show notes. I promise you will not regret having beautiful hair and you'll feel like you look like a superstar in Zoom, which doesn't hurt. All right, now let's get back to the show. Okay, so let's move on to your fourth mistake, which is not writing thoughtful responses to the screening question. So can you explain first what a screening question is and how this really plays a role in the application process? And then of course, how to fix this mistake. Absolutely. So I think a lot of companies have moved away from the classic cover letter. I know that we certainly have. We've never asked for a cover letter, but in lieu of a cover letter, we typically ask a screening question. And this is a short prompt that allows us to ask a very specific question to gauge a candidate's interest in the role or specific knowledge or skill set. This is typically a two to three sentence reply from the candidate. It doesn't require much work up front, but if you come across a screening question, it's a really great opportunity to show that you're knowledgeable about the company that you're applying for and genuinely excited about the role. All too often, I have seen people copy and paste their cover letter and just put it into where the screening question is or put NA. Um, I (laughs) I appreciate the amount of energy and time that goes into the job search, but know that there is someone on the other end reading through your screening question. And that can ultimately make or break if you're going to get a call back for the job. Yeah. I think to the fact that you guys are asking screening questions is actually a benefit to people applying because the cover letter and every, every company is different. Some people love them. Like I had a hiring manager. I always tell the story who like wouldn't even look at the resume without the cover letter. She was just like obsessed with them. So, you know, if they ask for a cover letter, definitely write it. But what I really like about the screening questions, I think it takes out the challenge of like, what do you write in a cover letter? And I find that people really struggle with sometimes like the blank page of the cover letter. Whereas if you're asking me really specific questions, I, I can, 
answer it really directly. And that's probably also pretty key here is that you want to be direct with your and not write like a whole page because that defeats the whole point of them asking really specific questions and it allows you to really fill in the gap. So I wish, I wish more companies would do that, the screening questions, or I guess just give people a little bit more of an opportunity to stand out versus just submitting a resume online. So I'm, I'm very pro that. And to your point, it's like, if you're going to apply for a job, go put 110% effort into it and write (laughs) thoughtful questions, right? You can probably, so tell me in like, how many seconds does it take you to see that the person didn't care like 10 seconds or 30 seconds or 60 seconds? (laughs) Ooh, this is good. Sometimes it can be 10 seconds, but it really depends. You know, I try to be understanding that it is tough to be job searching and applying. And I put myself in the shoes of the candidate. So I do spend more than 10 seconds reading through someone's application. But if someone really shows that they didn't put any effort in or didn't even read through the screening question or their prompt, I'm probably going to move forward with candidates who did, as you said, put in 110% into that application. Yeah. Another story I like to tell is how someone came up to me and they were like, what are you looking for? And I was like, well, what are you looking for? Like, I think people need to understand for us recruiters, we have so many roles to fill that when you are so clear and concise and direct about like why Brooklyn and why this role, and you can fill those in without a doubt, it makes our job easier. You know, like I, it really does. yeah, like maybe you're amazing. You could do 10 different things here, but tell me what you want, you know, and why you want it. Right. And, and to your point, you did customer service and then you moved on to the people team. You were probably very clear about why the people team and why you were a fit for that. That makes it's so much easier to decide that you you're a fit for the people team, for example. Okay. So your last common mistake is that you see often with people is getting fancy with their fonts and making it hard to read. So let's give some straight advice, which is what font type and size should be, should people be putting on their resumes? Yes. So the font should really allow the recruiter or the hiring manager to easily read through your information fancy or very swirly fonts can make it difficult to read through your resume and just harder to digest the information that you're sharing. So there's certainly no correct font to pick, but something super classic like Calibri or Times New Roman is always great and very easy to read. And then what about size? Like eight is probably too small. 12 starts to almost feel like I don't want to say too big that it's almost sloppy, but it does. It like doesn't look as nice when you get into those bigger fonts, right? I totally agree. I'm someone who always goes with an 11 font. Yeah. Um, so I feel like 11 is the perfect in between there. Yeah, I know. It, it's funny to care <laughs> about this or to be like, I don't know why. I just think that looks better. And then last question is sort of a bonus. I know people are really big on resume templates and I know they can find them on Etsy, Microsoft Word. What do you like? Do you, do people need to be buying these templates? Are they, can they just be making whatever in Microsoft Word with lines? This is a great question. And I'm sure so many people are really curious about this. I've seen the popularity of these beautiful Etsy templates and Canva Personally, I genuinely don't look for how creative your resume is. I would prefer that your information is just very clear and easy to read. 
you can do it in a Word document mm-hmm. for all that I care. And just avoid, you know, if you do a creative style, avoid background that's a light pink or anything that might not transfer well to that applicant tracking system and make it more challenging for the hiring manager or recruiter to read through your resume. Yeah. So any final thoughts to share on resume resources or other other little tips that people should know? I think the, the color one that you just mentioned is a good one. Yeah. You know, I know we went over a few different tips and there are certainly a few nuggets that I would love for people to walk away with. First and foremost, always send a personalized follow-up note to the recruiting team or hiring manager to really show your genuine interest in the role and to also just make an introduction. Second, always make the, the company feel as though they are the only place that you want to work and take the time to truly customize your resume to the role that you're applying for. Yeah. I love those tips. They, I, uh, I second all of them as someone who is a recruiter as well, which, you know, recruiters, you know, at the end of the day, we're human. We all have our opinions of what we like, what we don't like, depending on who your hiring managers are, your opinions can change with this stuff. But Megan, these are amazing tips and they're very salt, like very solid tips. And for people who are like, I do all these things and I don't get called back, like stick with it. You will, you know, researching the companies and, and recognizing that, you know, this is not about how many applications you can send in a day. It's about the quality of the application. So hopefully, you know, that will help maybe with the the burnout, but take your time. There's no point on rushing the application and not, and then not giving it 110%. So Megan, thank you so much for these tips and for clearing up some confusion that we might've had with resumes. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. Also, I'm very happy to announce that the winner of our Ultimate Career Goodies giveaway, with which had items from female-founded companies that were valued at over $800. Um, if you guys remember in past episodes, um, we were doing this giveaway and the way you entered was by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and um, your Instagram handle or your email. And it, I'm happy to announce it went to dianeyy.c. She said, I recently started listening to the podcast and have learned many great ideas that I can implement at my current job. I've even shared some of my notes and takeaways with peers and clients, and it's helped us improve our relationships and communication. Listening to this podcast is part of my morning routine, and I oftentimes have a notebook nearby to write down ideas. We love that. And I have DM'd you on Instagram to get your prize. And if you're looking to make over your resume, we have an online course for that. It's called the 24 hour resume makeover and your enrollment includes five resume templates, all recruiter approved. We promise step-by-step instructions for filling it out, including how to tailor your resume for a specific job and so much more. Plus you get lifetime access to the course. So you can go back to the content anytime that you need to update your resume in the future. We've linked to the 24 hour resume makeover in the show notes below. And a big thank you to Megan Kay for sharing her resume advice today on the show.